Close the Curtain podcast is an audio platform created to educate, entertain, and inspire women to live their best lives while they close the curtain on things that no longer serve them. We bond over wine or the drink of your choice while sharing many laughs, loves, and sometimes even tears. While this show features our opinions, it should not take the place of you seeking professional healthcare advice. Please buckle up and enjoy the show. I fly United, I fly first class. I make them close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering going back and close. It's so hot, we can't breathe. Please close the curtain, I can't take it. I only have one of them great. I can't help them all, please. Please, please close the curtain. Yeah, I'm for sure, for certain. Some topics be making us way too uncomfortable. Queasy stomachs hurting. We do not deal with negative energy, vibes, and negative person. Tell the story, this hurry up urgent. I needed to close the curtain. I'm Shalana. Don't let the sweet voice and the stethoscope fool you. Because I can tell it like it I is. Hey y'all, I'm Caroline, a Midwestern girl with a Southern flair. I will open and bless your heart in the same breath. After turning 30, there's two places I strongly belong. In a bed and in a book. Sometimes both. Nalita. I fly at night and I fly first class. Close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering go back and close. I feel like you single while we go together. So how would you feel about me telling people that I'm single because we go together? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. Yeah. Hold on. It ain't no hold on. We go together now? Real bad. Whatever you say. I like that. Close the curtain, crew. We are back for another piping hot Tuesday. And I mean that literally. Temps are blazing all around the U.S. And this is just the tip of the summer peen. So stay cool, stay hydrated, and tune into this girl's night so you don't fall out with that hot girl summer-ish and jump into this icebreaker like we are. If you heard the clip, that was Young Miami's podcast, and she had Diddy on as a host. And when he explained that the two of them were saying that they were single, but they dating each other, they go together. Can y'all explain what that means to me? Because I've been cuffed for a hot minute, and I don't understand how you can be single and you can go together. (laughs) Well, Diddy said he's single, but Young Miami said they go together. So I, I need them to get on one accord because clearly they're not. <laughs> Real real. Bad. If you ever have to ask a man, like, what are we? You better believe he's not into you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I really think this is a situationship and not a relationship. You know, I think... Mm-hmm. She had asked Diddy, like, what are we? And he basically was saying, oh, we friends. 
we like to hang out. We go to church. Mm-hmm. We We're date, dating. You know? yeah. So he never really said that we are in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that she doesn't see any merit right now. I think she should just take it for what it is because Diddy, I, I don't really see him being into her. Like, I think he just wants to be in her music videos. Like I've seen them pictured together before and it seems like they have really good chemistry because that clip was so funny. (laughs) So I love the way they go back and forth. I think it was just like her being silly and like joking with him and stuff, but kind of not. But no, she yeah, said she was sitting say, on that sofa really trying to figure it out. Like she, how you say she you had that we look on her face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he <laughs> talking up both ends. <laughs> right, we single, but we go to we dating, and you know we go on exotic trips and we travel, and I'm gonna take you to church. And she was like, I'm gonna take you gonna take me to church. <laughs> yeah. And if y'all looked at the clip and you saw like the closed caption on the bottom, at first it was like, they going to church. And then it it wrecked it and was like, going to church, maybe. (laughs) They're planning to take her to church. (laughs) Yeah, this is just fun for Diddy. And I think it's a way to keep him in the limelight. Because as soon as the news broke that they were quote unquote dating, like, it became a viral thing. So this kind of keeps the media on him. And I think that she needs to take it for what it is and have her cake and eat it too, have fun, get her mm-hmm. Lori Harvey on, see other people and entertain Diddy and just take it for what it is because he is clearly, clearly not into sis. Like mm-hmm. I said, he just want to be all up in her music videos and that's it. But also shout out to <laughs> Young Miami because her podcast is pretty lit. Like I enjoy it so far. And that's something to be proud of. Something else that was recently brought into the limelight just a couple of days ago was our sister Jennifer Hudson, who has become the second Black woman to win an Emmy, Grammar, Oscar, and Tony Award. She is not only the 17th recipient of the EGOT Award in general, she's the second Black woman and the third Black person. So let's clap it up for sis Black excellence yes. at its finest leading on, up J-Hud. to Juneteenth. Yes. <laughs> I thought there were more than that. More like Black people who had EGOTs. Like I know John Legend and Whoopi Goldberg. Now but I there's pull. one more black female who did it because she was the third black woman to achieve the status. So it was mm-hmm. her and two Whoopi Goldberg and another person. I just looked it up today. I looked up the list. Now, you know, yeah, don't the mean article I read said it was three. That don't mean anything because I looked up the discography for Escape and I came back saying it was only like five albums and you had to had to educate me sis but i did look it up and it showed that there was only 17 recipients and in order of black people jay hood was the second black woman after whoopi and the third black person after john legend but correct me if i'm wrong because you know i'm humble just realized how to pronounce no i stand corrected it was it's two, Jay Hood and Whoopi Goldberg, and John Legend mm-hmm. will make the Harry Belafonte doesn't have a he got 
Who? But what would he have gotten an Emmy from? Harry Belafonte. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see. Well, according to Google, he -hmm. won a Tony for John Murray's Anderson Almanac. Then he won a Primetime Emmy Award for Tonight with Belafonte, The Revlon Review. And then he won a Grammy for Swing That Hammer. So, yeah, Tony, Emmy, Grammy. He just hasn't won an Oscar. He hasn't won an Oscar. But I feel like he's won. He he didn't win an Oscar? Oh, he no, he did win an Oscar. Well, technically, he won a humanitarian award at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, like, for a performance necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, best supporting actor or best actor, but... He, yeah, they don't he's like an honorary so member. that just goes to show you how difficult this award is to achieve mm. especially for african americans and the fact that she is somewhat a freshman still in all of this mm-hmm. you know she's still new she's still young and she was able to get egot status and that that's amazing. I've always been Team J Hus since American Idol. And mm-hmm. when I read about her EGOT status, I thought about Simon Cowell way back when, when he looked in her eyes and told her she was not cut out mm-hmm. to be a star. Okay. Yep. He so, said her voice was too loud. Mm-hmm. She was too heavy. All of that. Mm-hmm. He drugged her Everything. that whole season. Now look at her yep. and look at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your girl got an Emmy. A Golden Globe, an Oscar, and a Tony. Where yours at, Simon? <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of some where somebody something is at, at the game the other day, it was brought to our attention that Steph Curry's parents are dating new people. And when the new love interests were spotted, someone made the offhand comment, that they look like they could have been each other's spouses. And after careful investigation, it was revealed that Dale and Sonya's new spouses were in actuality married previously. I can't imagine the new family events. Christmas is never going to be the same at the Currys. What are the odds? This was a hot mess. I, like I saw the tweet where somebody was like, the spouses look like they used to be married. Like I saw that. I did not think the internet would be, the internet has a PhD in celebrity research and shade because the way they dug these people up off of like two quick NBA clips, like it is just next level research and I'm here for it. The internet is somebody's best friend who is investigating their social media. Mm, right, <laughs> right. That's why it can't be out that bad. Because the internet gonna catch you up. It's gonna find you. It's gonna find you. I think this is some zero star behavior. <laughs> so I was going for Golden State during this playoff, but I think I might go for the black coach now because this is Ooh. ridiculous. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm serious. Like, 
I don't know. Do you guys think that it was too soon for both of the parents to bring their significant others with all of this going on? Like if it was anybody else, I think it probably would have been okay because when you look at Venus and Serena's parents, eventually they came out on the tennis court with different people, or at least her father did. So, and everybody was able to be okay with that eventually. But I think because there's so much drama attached to this I think they're still in a way Steph's moment or her, his time to concentrate on the game and so now he has to deal with the media being all in his family's business right now while he need to focus on winning a championship yeah I mean they've been in Steph Curry business ever since Lil Riley was getting in the press conferences cutting up after them games y'all remember her Snatching the microphone, running up under the table. Like they've been in the family business. <laughs> Rapping to Drake and all yep. that stuff. Yep. <laughs> then they talking about his wife can't cook. So they were dragging her. He actually has a restaurant here in Miami, which the food oh. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. We'll have to go sometime. Yeah. Like I'm I'm Team Aisha. I love her. I yeah. think she's funny. Me I too. think she's real. And I don't like how the internet used to drag her. I don't like y'all for that. But you know, I listen. I have some family members who have switched up on us real quick after leaving somebody. So like, I get it. I, them some rich people problems that I just can't relate to yet. (laughs) So (laughs) I ain't mad at either one of them. I ain't mad at either one. What are the legit odds? I think the dad was trying to be petty though, because Mm -hmm. he was accusing Steph Curry's mom. He was accusing her of cheating on him with the man that she's with right now. So Mm -hmm. I think it ain't nothing but pettiness Pettiness. for the media that he done snatched up this man's ex-wife. And now they all about to be at the same family reunion looking silly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder how Steph feel about it. Right. And his brother, what's his brother's name? His brother played basketball too. Seth. Seth Curry, yes. I forget what team he plays for. His but anyway. Mm-hmm. That boy, no, he handsome. He is. He really is. And that Boston coach fine too. Big shot going to be devolving into talking about them and they hoochie daddy. Right? Listen, I'm ready. Because they lucky I'm married because I can't call them all the way down Peachtree. And if they play us, then you know that thigh meat looking juicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that ain't my business. It ain't. It ain't, sis. But speaking about women who lose their mind, the internet done lost its mind when Beyonce took her profile picture off of all of her social media platforms. Fans are anticipating new music dropping and more hints are steadily being brought out. I just want to know, who first revealed this hide-and-go-seek treasure hunt? How did y'all know that removing the profile pics were the indication that new music was dropping? So Beyonce is not very active on social media, like follow me in the day of my life. Here's some videos of me and Blue or me and the twins. She's not like how Kelly Rowland is always keeping up with video trends and TikTok trends and stuff. Beyonce don't do that. She is very, very discreet and intentional with her social media. She's real private. So when she started doing stuff like taking off. So first of all, a couple months ago, she created a TikTok account. No videos, no profile picture, 
nothing, just a TikTok account. And it's been sitting here gathering followers. Then when she took everything off of Instagram, like all her pictures, all the birthday shout outs she's done, she took everything off of Instagram. And I'm like, oh, she up to something. She is up to something. I don't know if it's a movie. I hope it wasn't. I didn't know if it was a movie or a secret midnight release of an album or something with Jay. I don't know, but I knew she was up to something. And then her website started looking funny. And she started taking like content off of her website. So it's like, we just knew she was about to do something. And then her team like tweeted something the other day about B7. And I didn't know if that was supposed to be like a hint to an album, but they have just been dropping all these little like random gems that you just got to be part of the beehive to know about it, I guess. You got (laughs) to follow the right Twitter accounts. You need a title account. (laughs) everything like I'm on her email list and I don't even think I got anything from her email list like you just have to know where to look for you know when the bee queen bee drops some info but something in my spirit woke me up at about 4 30 this morning I don't know what it was. (laughs) It was something in my spirit that woke me up and said check your notifications it it was my ancestors. Some said, check your <laughs> notifications. And child, somebody didn't tag me talking about go to Beyonce's website. And I'm like, oh gosh, she didn't drop the album. Oh God, I got to get up. I got to listen, all these things. But I saw that she dropped the release date for a new project. I, I think it's an album, but I just know it's a new project. That's the only thing on her website. And she dropped four promo boxes that you can buy. So I sure did buy one of those. And what time did I text the group chat this morning? 4.36 to let y'all know. It's time to get information. We canceling all the trips. We canceling all the brunches, honey, because we got promo boxes to buy and we got Uh -uh. concert tickets to get. I'm telling you, I am telling you. I hope this is what it means because I love Beyonce. I saw her in concert one time and that's all I needed that Mm -hmm. because you know initially when she went solo I wasn't her biggest fan I wasn't I was like "Mm." you know I kind of felt like they glamorized her too much when she was with Destiny Child and I really wasn't on the bandwagon but when I saw her go on the Mrs. Carter's tour and she came here to Fort Lauderdale and she performed I saw her that very first time she had me sold I was like there is none other female artist that I know of right now who can work the stage like her, mm-hmm. who can sing like her, who can connect with her audience like her. I was like, okay, I'm part of the beehive now. Okay. <laughs> so I'm ready for this album. But what I will say is that Beyonce can do just about anything and she will go viral on the internet. She can wiggle her big toe on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> and it yep. will go viral. <laughs> So we'll sign up. Yes, I would. Yes. She, yep. she is definitely an entertainer to her core. And I think that it is well-deserved because, I mean, the Homecoming album I got is my mm-hmm. favorite on YouTube. I listen to it. The band, everything about it shouts Black excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really a, a fan, a part of the Beehive, but I can just say she works she works hard like people can say whatever they want to say about her 
she works hard pregnant not mm-hmm. pregnant like whatever it takes when she went on it did that diet where she didn't eat no dairy no eggs no cheese no meat no this and she was just drinking these shakes and I like that is dedication mm-hmm. the hard work that she put into it when the band members was talking about all the stuff that they had to do to even try to keep up with her and they still was missing no like mm-hmm. it is just very motivational to see what she puts into her craft and if you want to catch up to her you got to work twice as hard as her because mm-hmm. she was one That's of the true. first entertainers that I know who I've ever heard anyone say that she ran and sang so that she could make sure when she was out performing, she didn't ever have to lip sync. She always mm-hmm. is the one singing her mm-hmm. own stuff. But Dancing then, uh, and sweating right. and not skipping a beat, uh, messing up any note. Yeah. Yes. And so that is very awe-inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question. So is it just me or... Once you've listened to the Homecoming album, all of the studio versions of the songs that she sung on the Homecoming album just don't sound the same anymore. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Me either. I don't want to hear it. If they don't have I need the, to drums, the, the, the drums, right, the, the tubas, <laughs> I feel like I'm back on my HBCU outside right. on the green. We finna go like yes it's all of yeah, it yeah it doesn't sound the same anymore it and, doesn't and to me that takes real talent to outdo your other albums like your she was able albums. to put mm-hmm, and she outdid it so yeah right because if i don't hear you stomping and saying suck on my balls pause <laughs> i i don't want to hear it i don't, hear I don't. It. Oh, like, every time me and shalana hang out Anytime I'm in Miami, we play homecoming in the car, doing all the dance moves that we remember. (laughs) It's a whole mood. It's a vibe. But you know who really broke the internet this week was little blue Ivy sitting on Mm -hmm. the court side with her curls, her hoops, her outfit, and her mama's face. She looks more like her mother now to me. She got her Mm -hmm. damn whole face. Yes. And her lip gloss was popping. No, it sure was say more to me just like <laughs> when she took off the shades then you can see her mom and those features but when she was walking through mm. the crowd with her daddy right behind her the whole profile of her face was exactly his now she wear it better than him <laughs> better than he ever could hope to to be like she is cute <laughs> she's a beautiful girl yes yeah she is and i appreciate how the internet used to drag her and her mama for not doing her hair when she was little now look at y'all oh she's so cute y'all should have left her a long long time ago but did y'all see that part of the game where like jay-z was trying to put his arm around her for a picture and she like low-key moved it out the way was like dad my hair my hair right (laughs) my goodness But we could talk about Beyonce for an entire episode. Shall we move on before I get caught up? (laughs) Start having karaoke night up in here. I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, this portion of our show is called Make a Toast or Put a Cork in It, where we chat about things happening in the news and decide if we're going to celebrate and make a toast or if we're going to put a cork in it because it's a no for us. Now, I don't know what y'all drinking, but they both look really, really good. So you have to tell me what is in your cup tonight. 
Well, I have some real sangria and it actually says imported from Spain. It has a fruity taste and is a mouth-watering blend of fresh citrus fruits, flavors, and fine Spanish wine. And it really is pretty tasty. So I'm glad that I tried something new, something that I normally ordinarily wouldn't have picked up off the shelf. But it's something about having friends who are taste bud wise anyway, adventurous, and they challenge me to widen my horizon. So thank you. (laughs) Well, I said next week, I'm going to get a little bit adventurous and maybe mix a whiskey because I feel like my drinks are getting a little bit more boring each week. (laughs) So I'm really going to try to step it up next week. I promise y'all. But tonight (laughs) I am having a rosé by Sunny with a Chance of Flowers and it's 85 calories. Well, I have a red solo cup tonight. So y'all know what that means. I got some good drink in here. I have Crown Royal Apple with cranberry juice and a splash of Sprite. I mean, a a little Doppler drop of Sprite. (laughs) But y'all, it's so good. It's so refreshing. It's perfect for summer. And who doesn't love a good crown? So our first story, speaking of something we love, catch me with Nalita's transitions. Mm -hmm, See what I did there? Lizzo, (laughs) one of our faves, she used some ableist language in a recent song, has since apologized, but some say that she shouldn't have said it in the first place and the apology is just too little too late. So Lizzo has released another version of Girls that removes a lyric that was criticized by members of the disability community as an ableist slur. It's been brought to my attention that there is a harmful word in my new song, Girls, Lizzo said. Let me make one thing clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. As a fat Black woman in America, I've had many hurtful words used against me, so I understand the power words can have, whether intentionally or, in my case, unintentionally. So for anyone who's listening that might not know, ableist language refers to words and phrases that are offensive and honestly dangerous when they're not in reference to people who are disabled. So a couple of examples of that are saying things like that's crazy or that's insane because it's a direct insult to people who do have mental challenges or saying like what was referenced in Lizzo's song. So in the original track, She said, I'm a spaz. I'm about to knock somebody out. But in the updated version, the lyrics are now, hold me back. I'm about to knock somebody out. Basically, spasticity is a medical condition that when people lose control over muscle movement, sometimes it results in a very severely painful muscle spasm. There's a disability advocate named Hannah Davini who has a form of cerebral palsy which is classified as spastic dipelgia. She was one of the people who took the social media to tag Lizzo and really criticize the initial lyric. She said, your new song makes me pretty angry and sad, she tweeted. Spaz does not mean freaked out or crazy. It's an ableist slur. It's 2022, do better. Now, a lot of Lizzo's criticism came from people in the disabled community overseas because apparently the word spaz is a slang term or used in AAVE here. 
but it's more commonly used overseas. So we saw a lot of influencers from the UK and from Australia who really gave Lizzo a lot of heat. But like I said, Lizzo has since apologized and removed the word from her song. Was this action too little too late or is it better late than never to correct yourself? A question do you guys think that this might be a little bit of a double standard because as you were reading this Caroline I was just looking up you know different songs that use the word because I kind of feel like the word is familiar like it's it wasn't just Lizzo who used it in her music and so I've seen several rap artists who have the same thing but they're men and their music. So there's, I have never heard of Chris Coleco, but he has a song titled Spaz and somebody named Nerd, N-E-R-D. He has another song called Spaz. Somebody. Um, That's for real. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh. Right. <laughs> just like your mama (laughs) yeah but I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that she's not the only person so Mm -mm. I agree with her changing it because it offended her fans but why is she taking so much heat when other people didn't I think it's because it's Lizzo and because she's a black woman because in addition to (laughs) N-E-R-D like look dark (laughs) And Lil Baby, they both have a song using that word. So I feel like Mm. the Lizzo hate is just more so due to her being a Black woman in the prime of her career versus like really caring about this word being used in lyrics or in hip hop culture or Mm. urban culture at all because there's no hate going toward Lil Baby, Key Glock or like anybody else who's used that Mm. as a song title even. Yeah. So I, I don't like that, but like you said, Shalana, Lizzo really did take accountability and she really taught mm. a masterclass in accountability, yeah. apologizing and doing better quickly. So I really commend her for that, but it's also a very good teachable moment for a lot of us who do fall guilty mm-hmm. of using any ableist language, mm-hmm. whether it's like referencing spaz or anything else that could be deemed hurtful to people of the disabled community. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Because when you said that's crazy or it's insane, definitely, definitely had to bow my head because I know that I've used those phrases. And I think that it is easy falling back on the things that you've learned to say. And then when you know better, you do better. And I think, like Mm -hmm. you said, she took accountability for her actions. And I feel Mm -hmm. like these people need to put forth some freaking grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just recently found out that in a lot of different books, like they'll have names or phrases or whatever in the book. And then if it's printed in another country, because that word may mean something different in another country, they have to change the names. And I did not know really how much went into those types of things to make them come about in other countries. And I feel like 
the same thing could be said about this song. Like mm -hmm. I have heard people use spaz and not just spaz. The other day I was on a, a, a Zoom call and someone actually said that is spastic, like, or she spastic or whatever, like not even just spaz, the short mm -hmm. version, they actually said the full phrase. And only because we were talking about this topic, did I do the research and find out because I've never used spaz I'm spaz out I'm a wig out like you know mm -hmm. to me those are overlapping and interchangeable things but I mean it is 2022 when you find out how something affects and offends someone and it's not just you know them trying to play a victim card and it mm -hmm. actually is something like retard I remember in 20. 15 I think Leilani was in kindergarten and her school took a pledge to not say the r word and so I remember kind of going through and helping our family members to be accountable when you want to say that's retarded you know like no that's not something that you use in common speech because it was used this way and and using that moment to educate and not degrade someone or make them feel less than because they didn't know or used it in ignorance when they learn and they do better allow them to have grace and forgive them and let's move forward yeah. And I think mm -hmm. they did hit her harder because she is an advocate for lots of different mm -hmm. things, especially body positivity. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they wanted to hold her accountable. But at the same time, like you said, there are artists who actually use that as mm -hmm. a the name of their song. You going through picking mm -hmm. apart someone's lyrics, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and here's my thing. People are out here saying the N word. And we still referring to black women as the B word. Mm -hmm. And no one is making a fuss over that. They out here still doing TikTok videos and dabbing and doing spanky leg to these songs and everything. And nobody's making a fuss and trying to cancel these artists. And I think some time ago, Jesse Jackson and Auntie Maxine tried to get all the rappers to stop doing that. And then they tried to cancel them for doing mm -hmm. that. So I just feel like if we're going to take this initial step to make someone change their lyrics because of insensitive words, then I think we need to keep the same energy across the board. You know, get rid of all of it. That's the, that's the way I feel. I use the N word too much to get rid of it right now. <laughs> I used to be real bad, sis. I ain't gonna lie. I use it way too much. I, I'm just sharing my truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just feel like she took too much heat like again I'm glad she was sensitive to it and she heard them out and she did what needed to be done but I really felt bad for her with the backlash because clearly I don't think she knew you know that was a mm -hmm. big issue but I will say that she is coming to Fort Lauderdale and just because of this I think I'm going to buy me a ticket to go see her mm -hmm. it will be in the nosebleed section because some tickets are expensive but oh. I think I will support and go see her. That is nice. I wouldn't go that far because I'm not a fan yeah. of her music. It's just, it's not for me. I am not her target market, I don't think, because the music is not made for me. Now, if she released a couple of trap hits, then maybe we could talk. But I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a fan of her music. She's talented. She's beautiful. She has a great voice. Like, I'm not knocking her. Her music just isn't for me. But I'm still toasting her. 
because I genuinely think that she did not mean to be offensive. I didn't even realize that that S word was offensive. I, it's just not in my vocabulary, so I didn't even think about it. But I try to be very conscious about using ableist language because I know how powerful those words can be. But, you know, that's the beauty of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, putting my HR hat on here, but it's just the beauty in knowing that we're not always going to get it right. I'm not always going to get it right, but as long as we're committed to never stop learning and never stop listening, that's the biggest lesson to be learned here. So in our next story, an Ohio governor makes it easier for teachers and staff to strap up, but hasn't said a thing about giving people a raise. Okay. So Ohio governor Mike DeWine on Monday signed, a well, last week, Monday, signed a bill into law that made it easier for teachers and staff to carry guns on school premises. The Republican-backed bill reduces the hours of training required for armed school personnel from 700 hours to 24 hours. Let me say that again. The training required for armed personnel was reduced from 700 hours down to 24 hours. Those 700 hours of training are intended to broadly train law enforcement, according to Governor DeWine who is a Republican, he said the vast majority of that training is not really relevant to a school safety directly. So in the wake of the tragic school shooting in Texas, Ohio lawmakers are rushing to take action to address school safety concerns in their state. The Ohio Education Association wants to be clear though, this House bill will make Ohio students less safe in their schools. The president of the Ohio Education Association also said that not only does it create a less safe environment for students, it also opens up the risk for students to access those same firearms that might be used to quote unquote protect them. Now, DeWine said that if a district chooses to arm staff members, The bill mandates up to 24 hours of training, of school-specific training. This does not require armed staffing at schools, but it does give school districts a choice. And if they choose to, they only need 24 hours of training. The training required only includes four scenario-based hours, as well as first aid, the history and pattern of school shootings, de-escalation techniques, and crisis intervention. That's it. So I think we can all agree that more guns is not going to fix the problem of school shootings. But for teachers that do want to protect themselves, who are we to deny them that right? So are you corking or toasting this new legislation? So I'm so torn about this because on one hand, I think that this would be a terrible idea and would definitely lead to more school shootings because all it would really take is for a teacher to have, you know, some sort of meltdown or breakdown and you have a gun there that's easily accessible. So I don't see how bringing more guns into the school system would really help the situation. But on the other hand, when you look at Sandy Hook and that whole situation, and even the recent situation in Texas, 
where the police officers waited over an hour, over an hour before they went in to take down the shooter. Like if these teachers had guns, they would have been able to defend themselves and those students and more lives would have been saved. So looking at it from those two standpoints, it just has me somewhat in the middle, really, because I don't think the situation is going to really get any better. But I really think that the focus should be on not providing the teachers with guns, but paying them. They need more money if they're going to have to put up with all of this. And then they need to do something about the gun laws and mental health in this country. Bottom line, period. Get to the root of the problem because putting more guns into the school would only add to the problem. And then they need to put trained resource officers and have better campus security. There was no reason why the Texas shooter was able to enter the school through an unlocked door. So clearly the security system is off. So they need to really improve this in these schools. And another option is possibly looking into doing, I think doing school hybrid where they may do virtual learning on some days and on-campus classes on other days so that there is no consistent fixed schedule for a potential shooter to follow. So those were kind of the things that I thought about that may be more helpful than giving guns to the teachers and putting them in the classrooms. So I think I'm corking even the thought of putting guns in the classroom. I think I'm going to lead more towards that. Well, I'm definitely corking more guns in the school. I feel like I just don't know what is a proper initiative to take besides, yes, giving the teachers more money. I feel like the issue (laughs) around the money is just like teachers do so much more than just teach your child the lessons that have been put before them. Look at Florida, where the teachers can't even say, gay they can't even talk to kids about what's going on inside their lives or help them to feel like they are a human being outside of their sexual orientation like they have to tiptoe around what abuse or neglect may be going on they are sometimes kids only support systems and then they have to come to school and worry about maybe not coming back home to their family with the school shooting so they definitely need to be paid more I if they were going to put guns in the school I definitely don't think they should be cutting it down from 700 to 24 hours like yeah I know 24 hours may be done in a couple of days time but it was set at 700 for a reason like that really feels like you're getting the training that you need to have I don't feel like 24 hours is going to make me feel secure to be sending my child with you. I don't care what other outside stuff you have. When you have a habit of doing something, I feel like with the 700 hours, you are not just going to respond to your fear in the moment or what is my reflex and my mind telling me to do is going to resort back to the training that you actually receive. And I feel like with that 700 hours, you getting that training and you're going to rely on that, not whatever outside stuff you got going on. Cause your eyes may not be working and your ears may not be working and you shoot a, a kid instead. Like, I just I don't know. 
I feel like that's definitely not the answer. Maybe putting some more money into the school so that they can hire some more armed guards. But even that seems like only a band-aid on the situation. Let's talk more about removing the possibility that these people will have access to the guns in the first place. Let's talk about gun regulation in the United States. Exactly. I, you couldn't pay me to believe that paying teachers more would stop gun violence in schools. Now, those are two totally separate issues. Teachers, in my opinion, and I'm saying this from a biased perspective because both of my parents were educators and retired from the school system, but teachers, even in the smallest community or the smallest town, they shouldn't make under $100,000 because they are teachers, they are spiritual counselors sometimes, they are therapists, counselors, parents of some of these kids, hairdressers, barbers, house cleaners. Because some kids be coming to here with some dirty laundry. And I've known teachers to take their clothes home, wash them, and bring them back. Teachers play so many roles. And they are way too underpaid for the things that they are already signed up to do. You trying to give them guns to be like frontline rescue in a school shooting? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. I don't want my child's teacher to have that type of responsibility or to feel that they are the only line of defense between a shooter and these kids. Who's protecting the teachers? Like if you want to give them army style training to defend themselves against an active shooter, you need sniper training, like military grade training for that. And I don't believe that equipping teachers and school staff is the right way to go. I don't want to see Governor DeWine take his ass into somebody's school for $30,000 against doing some of the things that these teachers do. And then we can have a conversation. But I am, I'm corking this. Like, this is not the right answer. I think investing in better security systems, bulletproof doors, stronger like yes. locks and, and make Metal it harder detectors. to access yeah. the school. Exactly. Yeah. And that train your resource where... officers not to be punks. Exactly. Exactly. All yeah. of them need to be fired in Texas because that was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It was unacceptable. And I read a tweet the other day that made a lot of sense. It said, if a person has a gun in possession that makes you scared to approach them, then that weapon should be banned. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it really starts with getting rid of these guns and really, really making mental health in this country a priority and Mm -hmm. making sure that people have access to the help that they need because it really boils down to that. It really, really does. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's another topic that I think we could talk about all day long. So don't even get us started. But moving on to our next story, Azalea Banks said what everybody is thinking when they own their job. Azalea Banks was visibly unhappy during her performance in Wynwood Pride 2002, none other than Florida, Miami to be exact, 
While she was on stage, she expressed how dissatisfied she was with the promoters behind the event. After performing a few songs, she started to share how frustrated she was with the alleged unprofessionalism behind the scenes. Azalea Banks claimed that the promoters were telling her that she was the headliner. This is starting to sound real familiar. The promoters were telling her that she was the headliner and then that she wasn't. Then she claimed that the time of her performance kept getting changed. So concert goers said via Twitter that the rapper was actually two hours late. While she was on stage, she repeatedly expressed how much she did not want to be there. Quote, I'm really not happy to be here, she told the crowd, but what did the fans ever do? End quote. She then threw her microphone on the floor and flashed two middle fingers toward the crowd. The booze commenced and then someone in the audience threw water at her. She was then escorted off the stage by security. Banks went on to address what happened via Twitter, and she said one of her main issues was the dry ice on stage during her set. So she took to Twitter and gave her version of see what had happened was. Banks said, Winwood Pride was way too ghetto. I had to bounce. Every tech writer in Azalea Banks' history of live performances specifically states that no dry ice because I'm extremely allergic to it. Photos will show massive clouds of dry ice, which began to make me lightheaded to a point where I could barely stand up. She also spoke on the confusion around the time she was supposed to hit the stage, and she threw a jab at whoever tried to, like, throw water on her. Banks said she was originally booked for a 10 p.m. set, which the promoter moved to 1 a.m., completely inconveniencing every single member of my team. A phone was thrown on stage, which was proof that the festival could not afford licensed security. They had ancient equipment and a pig in the front who obviously had the audacity to spit water from his HPV lesion infested mouth, end quote. So listen, we've all been sick and tired of our jobs and we've all been in her shoes of being just frustrated and over it. And who's to say that we can't speak our truth when we don't wanna be somewhere? Can we toast her honesty or do we cork the unprofessionalism? She getting a cork. <laughs> Did that these fans get their money back? Like how long was this show before she flipped them off and they escorted her off stage? Like she was two hours late. Mm-hmm. She and was Lauren Hill late. And then she was just like performing and then I don't want to be here. I felt like that at my job a lot, but you know what I do when the people coming in, I wear my mask and then I smile because I really like doing what I do. I have a passion for it, but sometimes I just don't feel like that. But I, you know, I'm not getting paid the type of money she getting paid. And if she really didn't want to be there, don't book the experience. You know, you never know how you're going to feel when you roll up out the bed, but I can promise you. I'm not paying two, three hundred dollars to be anywhere close to this stage for you to have me waiting for two hours for you to give a piss poor performance and then leave, <laughs> like get escorted off of the stage. And so now I really didn't get my money's worth. And then she had the audacity to talk 
like that towards a fan like was she that close to their mouth to see that they had an hpv sore like this is really out there that wasn't called for right Mm -hmm. that was now that's a slur it is and hopefully they'll try to cancel her for that i was just thinking that like Mm -hmm. she she in the court (laughs) she has the right to be upset and not happy with everything that happened right here but her job is entertainment she in the entertainment business don't keep us better learn to adapt don't keep us waiting this long and then in the show early they got like 30 minutes (laughs) they got a few songs out of her two or three but like if I tell you, like, I tell Delta every time I book a ticket that I have a peanut allergy, they don't serve peanuts on my flight. Okay. They just, they don't. Like, they come up to me at my seat and say, we're just confirming that we don't have any peanuts. We're not serving any nuts on this plane because I'm allergic. So if I tell the promoter that I'm allergic to dry ice, why y'all got this dry ice on stage about to kill me over? I'd be mad too. But then again, just like with the Monique situation, her problem was not with the fans. She went off on the fans. She flipped them off. Somebody threw she, a phone at her. She acted a pure <laughs> ass. They, well, she deserved it. Right, she they phoned out. They phoned out while they was waiting on her to get there. <laughs> you ever drop an iPhone and she on lucky your face that's when you she's, in the bed? She was in Miami. <laughs> She was in Miami and she's lucky. <laughs> That's all they threw at her. But <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I just feel like your beef is with the promoters. Like, why get on the stage and act a pure fool in front of the people who paid their hard earned money to come see you in the middle of a recession? Well, we're not in a recession yet, but an in inflation. Child, I saw the gas prices in Miami and gas last prices. Week. <laughs> but also, like, I know who Azalea Banks is, but I couldn't sing not one of her songs. So there's that. I kind of want to court the people who actually paid money to see her. I don't know what she sings. What's one of her songs? What What does she say? I can't tell you because I, I have. I, no I couldn't tell you either. Well, I'm corking the it's audience not my too cup of paying tea. to see her. <laughs> not my cup but, of tea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does. I can understand where her frustration is rooted from, but she still gets a cork from me the same way we corked Monique for doing the same thing. I don't know what's with these celebrities airing out their grievances in front of a paying audience, but not a single solitary soul paid their hard-earned money to go see her on stage acting like that, sitting up here looking like a Ayana Fix My Life trailer. And then had the nerve to say that the set was ghetto. Who? You the one? I had time I was I'm tired of being up here. I'm ready to go and whatnot. Throwing your middle fingers up. You the one ghetto. But but also, the way my sleep is set up. If I'm supposed to go to work at 10 o'clock and you tell me I can't work until 1 a.m., I'm going to be real pissed off. Because like Melita said in the intro of this show, there are two places I belong, in a bed and in a book, and sometimes both. Baby, I'd have been knocked out by one o'clock up here trying to perform for somebody. I'd have been asleep. So no, I'm corking her. I'm corking whoever paid to see her, paid hard-earned money to see her. And I'm throwing the whole bottle at the promoters. Listen, I'm (laughs) corking her. 
uncorking her. And you know what else I'm gonna do? I'm gonna show up to work and try to do the exact same thing. I'm walking there, be like, y'all, the traffic was horrible. I couldn't find a parking spot. And guess what? I really don't want to be here. I'm gonna see how far they get me. Mm-hmm. Flip the patients <laughs> off and flick them off. They gonna and close that curtain on you. <laughs> Mm, closing that yeah, curtain so- to things that no longer serve them <laughs> you know when I watched the video it's really obvious that something was wrong with her like she either seemed like she was having like a mental breakdown or she was under the influence of something I mean I'm not a fan so I don't really know how her temperament is on a regular basis but she just really seemed very off that night but either way if something was wrong with her or if she was sober once she got home and got herself together, she should have come back and apologized to her fans. Because as I said before, her problem wasn't with them. It should have been with the promoters. And people paid their hard-earned money in the middle of a whole pandemic, in the middle of inflation, in the middle of ridiculous gas prices, and gathered, might I add, in the middle of a pandemic to see her. So it wasn't like a easy come together for everybody to see her like everybody went through something to get out there and with everything that we're going through in society today people want to have a good time people want to get out there and just dance and sing along to the songs that they like the most not hear about her grievances with everybody you know what I'm saying so she had so many different opportunities to cancel this show from the moment that they changed her schedule, the moment that they made her upset, she could have said, you know what? I'm not getting on that show. They don't respect me. I'm not performing. But instead, she decided to show up and she decided to work. So she owed them what they came to see, regardless mm-hmm. of what happened behind the scenes. That's the way I see it. I agree 100%. And she gets a cork and zero stars from me because it was ghetto. Right. Had the nerve to call the show ghetto. Honey, you were right in formation. Anyway, enough about an artist. I don't even know. But speaking of celebrities, is Nick Cannon trying to become Father Abraham from the book of Genesis? Because this rapper said there may be three more babies on the way this year. Whew, child, the mass Singer host went up on Lip Service, the podcast, last week and answered some more questions about rumors that he had some more little babies on the way. Kenna said, when you say on the way, what count are you at? Let's just put it this way. The stork is on the way. I don't know when it could be. And he joked around by saying, if y'all thought it was a lot of kids last year, referring to the three babies that he welcomed by two different women in 2021, He went on to say that he went to therapy and attempted celibacy last fall, although he admits that it did not last since he was depressed due to the loss of his son, Zen, who died on December 5th, 2021 of brain cancer. The thing is, everybody saw that I was so down and they were like, just give him a little vagina and that's going to cure it all. Cannon explained with a little giggle. He said, I fell victim to it because I was in a weak state. So December, especially like right before Christmas, I started having sex like his words, not mine. 
I started having sex like crazy. So I broke the celibacy, can't add it, but I was probably celibate for about a month and a half. I was trying to do it. I had a new show. I had a new energy, but I was just dealing with a lot. So if we're doing the math, Cannon's child count this year might reach the double digits. Is this too much? Some people say that he's ruining the sanctity of family, but others don't mind because he's active both physically and financially in his child's lives, and he seems to have great relationships with all of their mothers. What say y'all? This is rich people stuff. I really had to go and find out how many kids that this man actually had. And I think he was at seven with Zen and then another three on the way, 10, 11. It might've been eight with Zen. And then now if he has these three, it'll be 11, but it's just too much. I can understand you being financially active but I just can't understand if you depressed how much are you really physically and emotionally and mentally being here for these children you definitely missing several like milestone moments unless you got some cameras hooked in somewhere or something it just I don't know. I feel like all of this screams definitely that he has some mental health issues going on and he already admitted that he does and he trying to race this clock or whatever, but I don't think it degrades the sanctity of family. <laughs> I don't think that it has anything to do with me and all of this is really above my pay grade. I don't care one way or the other what Nick Cannon does. I feel that. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have my own conspiracy theory. And again, this is just a theory. It's just an allegation. So close the curtain, listeners. This is not, there's no truth to this. It's just my own conspiracy theory. But I wonder if Nick is having all these babies to increase his chances of a organ transplant match down the road because he does have lupus, which I'm not knocking if that's the case, because I can, you know, clearly see that he loves his family. But I just wonder if there's an underlying reason why he's procreating so many children by so many different women. And I think it might be to just increase his chances of having a match if he needs one in his future. Yeah, I had the same question if all of this was intentional, but my thought was more so leaving a legacy behind, you know, in case he doesn't beat lupus. That's kind of where I was coming from. And Alita, I kind of agree with you that I think that something is going on with him mentally. You know, I really think that he has some issues that he hasn't dealt with properly. I wonder, one, if it could be sexual addiction. I wonder if he is missing something too in his life that he's trying to fulfill, like having all of these children. Something is just, like my grandmother used to say, something in the milk ain't clean. <laughs> Something's not right in this situation. You know, even his own therapist told him he needed to chill out and told him that he needed to stop 
you know, having children and be abstinent for a while. And he couldn't even do that. Like after his son passed away, he broke his celibacy and started having a lot of sex, like Caroline said, and he laughed it off. But I saw this as unhealthy coping behavior. And I'm happy that he's not a deadbeat dad and he's able to be present for them. That is definitely like a plus, but I just... I hope that he continues to seek therapy because he doesn't need any more kids. That's for one until he handles whatever issues he's going through because he really needs to aim to be mentally healthy for the children that he already has. And that's where I see it. And yes, just to add a little bit to Caroline's theory, you know, I never thought about it, but some options that aren't available to people who don't have this privilege of financial stability is saving your child's cord blood. And we know what stem cells can do for mm-hmm. you when you have some kind of illness that is life-threatening. So that is a good theory, Caroline. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, I told y'all between listening to the eavesdrop Shalana's podcast <laughs> And these 18 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, I told y'all, I, I'm a nurse. I, I know. I be knowing. You're really a crime investigator, but. A crime investigator. <laughs> Say, girl, you are not married to Grey. Oh, you are goodness. Olivia Benson. <laughs> and Nalita, you mentioned cord blood banking and stem cells. Shameless plug really quick here. On the third, on the eavesdrop, I will be interviewing someone who will be talking more about cord blood banking and cord blood donation because next month in July is cord blood banking awareness month. So make sure you head over to the eavesdrop at that time to learn more about cord blood banking and the benefits. Okay. So we have reached the sidebar segment of the show. And I like to refer to this segment as the oodles of noodles of the show. If you didn't get it, go back and listen to last week's episode. (laughs) Because celebrity news and gossip is amusing and entertaining, but we all need something that will feed our minds, body, and spirit throughout the week. So Here we are with the sidebar segment. So today's topic is inspired by Juneteenth. Juneteenth was this past Saturday, the same day as Father's Day. And shout out to all the fathers out there and happy belated Father's Day. I'm sure many dads were out there on the grill this past Sunday. Shout out to my dad who was on the grill with his sweat rag draped over his shoulder on Sunday. So in honor of Juneteenth, we wanted to celebrate our Blackness by discussing a few discussion topics that will help us commemorate our culture. So the first question is, how do you feel about Juneteenth, ladies? Girl, I'm still learning what to feel about Juneteenth. I really can't say I feel any which way because I'm still currently learning about it this week new facts every day only in the last two years did I learn that Juneteenth was even a thing and what it was just yesterday I learned who told the south general Gordon Granger 
And where it was that he alerted us of this announcement, Galveston, Texas, mm-hmm. and what it was originally called, which was Jubilee. But for me, really, it's just a time for a cookout and it brings better bonding with my family and my friends. And so it's a celebration to be alive, not necessarily for what we celebrated as today but just knowing and appreciating what I have in my family. And the thing about Juneteenth that I hate is how people have exploited it. And when it feels like we haven't made all that much progress away from that first announcement. Now we have, and I'm not trying to belittle the progress that we have made, but whereas some of the chains became less physical I feel like they're now more emotional and financial and we still have a lot of work to go to be truly celebrating this freedom in America yeah I I agree I'm kind of torn on that too because I love any moment where we can celebrate us whether it's Juneteenth or Jennifer Hudson winning the EGOT, uh, Beyonce dropping the album. I am here for any time that we can celebrate us because it feels like there are so many people in the world that try their hardest to do the exact opposite. But part of me, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but part of me feels like white people should still work on Juneteenth. Like, I don't feel like they should get the holiday off. It should just be for us. Cause like, what are you taking a day off from? That should be ours. <laughs> that should, it should be ours. Like, shoot, you only said what they probably feel about us on July Fourth. It just it, Girl, it they feels can too keep equal. The reparations yeah. if they let the black people off, and the palm colored still be at work. I and they shouldn't get paid. Right. Like, no, forget that. Let us have a day off hey but y'all go to work for free that is how I want to celebrate Juneteenth out here in these streets but no but for real I I am glad that the country acknowledges that the Emancipation Proclamation was not freeing for our people for another 200 years I mean two years (laughs) for two years I didn't drink too much like imagine still being a slave for two whole years not even knowing not even knowing. And so I'm glad that the country recognizes their fault in that and acknowledges our freedom when we were really free. I I don't like all the appropriation and part of me wishes that maybe it shouldn't have been a national holiday because then we wouldn't have Walmart appropriating a Black woman's ice cream or, you know, places like Bath and Body Works putting up watermelon display candles for Black History Month, right? But it does make a lot of people read more, do more research and find out more about Juneteenth. And it also makes companies become a bit more conscious because employees are starting to ask about the day off. What is the company doing? How are you going to honor it and acknowledge it? So I'm here for the transformation that is taking. I just hope that over the years, we see a lot more activism versus just like performative activism like we see now yeah I feel that like both of you ladies I had to do my research so initially I was excited about Juneteenth because 
it was given to us during a time when the nation was protesting after George Floyd was murdered. And people were rallying for change. We were rallying for just being included. And when it was announced that we were given this day as a federal holiday, I was excited about it because it's like, okay, a change is finally coming. But then when I did more research and I learned that Juneteenth is not a representation of the emancipation of all the slaves, nor does it reflect the signing of the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation, which technically freed the slaves from the Confederate States. And it doesn't commemorate when the end of slavery was written into the Constitution. Those are all the things that I learned when I looked up Juneteenth. It only represents when a handful of slaves in Galveston, Texas, found out they were finally free. And during my research, I read this paragraph in an article that read the following. I'm going to read it verbatim. It says, quote, in many ways, Juneteenth represents how freedom and justice in the United States has always been delayed for Black people. The decades after the end of the war would see a wave of lynching, imprisonment, and Jim Crow laws take root. What followed was the disproportionate impact of mass incarceration, discriminatory housing policies, and a lack of economic investment. And now, as national attention remains focused on acts of police violence and various racial profiling incidents, it is clear that while progress has been made in Black America's 150 years out of bondage, considerable barriers continue to impede that progress. So after I read that article, I said to myself, like, why are we even celebrating this day? And why are we making such a big fuss of it when it really doesn't fully represent our freedom? But after much reflection, I came to the conclusion that even though it doesn't fully represent the freedom of all of the slaves, it still is part of our history. And it is a great catalyst for influencing people in our society to really do the research and learn more about our history because this was not taught in public school. I didn't learn about Juneteenth. I didn't know about Juneteenth until I was like a young adult in college. And it was in one of my African-American courses in college. But by the time I graduated, the lesson really didn't stick because even in college, it was just kind of like a skim through. But now that this is a national holiday, I felt the need to know more. So in my opinion, Juneteenth has created an awareness it gives us more motivation to celebrate each other and our culture. It is another time for us to be recognized by our society other than, you know, February. And it is a great day for Black-owned businesses to get the recognition that they deserve as well. So we should definitely celebrate it in the biggest way, even though it's not representative of the emancipation of all of the slaves and it doesn't really represent much progress but we should really celebrate it in the biggest way. But we should also take the time to educate ourselves so that we are knowledgeable about what this day is really all about. Which leads me to my next question. How does being Black make you feel proud? Child, there is nothing like the Black experience. And 
even on our hardest days, watching stories of more missing Black girls or watching more Black men die at the hands of police, being Black is still the most lit, live, and bold thing there is. I just, I can't explain it. Like, I love being Black. I would not trade this for anything else in the whole world. You just, you have to be Black to understand this feeling but it's like, no matter the hardships that we see on a day-to-day -day basis, the racism, the microaggressions, the prejudice, the discrimination, being Black is still the most beautiful experience I could ever imagine for my life. Same, sis. And I just want to add that being Black makes me feel proud because there is no other people like us. We come in so many different shades. We're beautiful, creative, talented, compassionate, passionate we love deeply. We have our own spice, our own feel, our own magic that is uniquely us. It can't be taught or bought. It can't be captured or destroyed. We hope and we dream and we achieve. And our culture is so rich. Everyone wants to be Black. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I, you want to be Black. Everyone tells me all the time that my laugh is like, if they were giving out superlatives, I would have the best laugh. I've heard that everywhere I go, people want it. My skin, people imitate it. My body, people pay for it. <laughs> and it still isn't the same. Our black is beautiful. Okay, Maya Angelou, two snaps, two snaps. So I share the same sentiments with both of you ladies. Being Black isn't just about struggling. It's not about slavery. It's not about trauma. I think that it can be easy for one to always just see the negative because most of the time when society is talking about our culture is always because of something related to racial issues or our struggles, you know, in society. But being Black is a celebration of resilience. Being Black is beautiful. When you look at us as a people, we come in so many different shades of melanin. Our hair comes in different textures. We have high cheekbones, full lips, and legs, hips, and body. <laughs> and, and we age well too. Black is just overall beautiful. And to me, Black is joyful. Now, last week, when we talked about the cookout rules from the article, we ran across the different rules and regulations. And we thought it was really funny because we could relate to every single thing in that article. Somebody's always asked to run to the store. Somebody's uncle is always cooking food on the grill with a sweat rag. People are always playing spades. Everyone knows how to do the electric slide. Only Black people can relate to this stuff. And I really love this about us. Like our culture is fun. Our culture is, like I said, resilient. Like we, I, I couldn't see myself being a part of any other culture, any other race. And again, I'm also so proud of my ancestors and the ones who paved the way for me to be able to get an equal education as everyone else, who paved the way for me to vote and paved the way for me to live a life of freedom. They all make me proud. And I just feel like our culture is just so full of, of strength. And yeah, I feel proud each and every day, 365, not just on Juneteenth. 
Now, the next question is, how do you celebrate your Blackness every day? By being extra loud. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but not code switching and conforming to like the respectability politics that they expect from you in public spaces or in corporate spaces. I am just authentically me and that's, you know, extra black, even with my black card pending, you still going to get all these y'alls, this AAVE at work you know, all the different hairstyles, the proud black graphic t-shirts, repping my sorority whenever I can, you know, all those things that speak to me as a black woman. But also I'm really intentional about buying black, building black and banking black. So I shop with black owned businesses as often as I can. I talk about it all the time. And if you follow me on TikTok, at Hey Southern Bell, you will see that all the makeup I use even comes from like Black-owned makeup brands. And I don't wear makeup from non-Black brands. Pat McGrath, The Lip Bar, Minted Cosmetics, Juvia's Place, Fenty, Beauty Bakery. There are so many. And I love that they create shades and hues just for our skin because before a lot of these Black brands, we might have five shades to choose from maybe on a good day, you know, thinking like five, 10 years ago in the beauty industry. But thanks to these Black brands, we have more things for us. And that's a good feeling to have. But I don't just buy like a cute t-shirt and say I support Black business. Like that's cool. That's great if you do. But to really be an ally, especially white people who are listening, I'm talking to you, start replacing your everyday purchases with Black-owned brands. When you're shopping for a gift for someone, buy from a Black Etsy seller. You can filter your target searches just to Black-owned brands or women-owned brands or LGBTQIA plus brands so that you can be very intentional about where you spend your dollars. And I also refuse to gatekeep. Like there's enough room for all of us to eat at the table. And I don't believe in withholding information that could help like another Black person succeed, whether it's like business advice or relationship advice or, you know, entrepreneur advice for somebody else or corporate advice, whatever it is. Like earlier today, I spent an hour on the phone with one of my cousins because she's going through the home buying process. And we were just exchanging stories and exchanging experiences so that hopefully one of us could save money not making a mistake that the other one did. And, you know, talking about ways that we can save money or make the most out of our offers when we put an offer on a house and things like that. But I don't gatekeep because there's no reason why all of us can't win together. And banking Black is really important because it's hard to see banks like Wells Fargo They were already out here giving shady loans to Black people for the last 10 to 15 years. Then they're out here doing fake interviews just to say that they met a diversity quota before they hire a white person. Black banks don't do that. They are much more likely to invest more money in Black businesses. They put more money back into our community. They give us loans at lower interest rates. And so it only makes sense to put your dollars back into a Black financial institution. So... All of that to say, buy from Black businesses, 
build Black in your communities and bank with Black financial institutions. That's how I make sure I celebrate culture every day. I didn't know I was getting on here to get my edges snatched by my own whoop. sister. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> but she definitely challenges me to be intentional every day. So how I celebrate my culture is waking up and appreciating and taking advantage of the privilege that I do have. And what I'm going to do more is give back to my community, not just with my family and my friend group, and not just even to my patients, but actually being intentional of going out and serving my community outside of the sphere that I already hold sway and influence in. So I am taking more time to learn our history, to learn more about it. Because as I mentioned before, in public school, I didn't get a really get a lot of Black history. And in college, I really didn't get a lot of Black history. But I just feel like being part of this culture and being a part of this race, it is our responsibility to make sure that we learn our own history. So we shouldn't depend on the education system to do it for us. So one of the things I am doing is trying to learn more. I'm still trying to finish the 1619 project. <laughs> My goal is basically to read this whole book by the end of the year. I also have it on audio. And so while reading, I usually kind of flip back and forth. So that way I can get through the book. Another thing that I'm doing is I'm striving to make sure that Black women receive the adequate health care that they need. Because as Black women, we are at risk for so many diseases and chronic illnesses. And many of us really do not have the resources to receive adequate care. That's one thing. And then two, you know that there is medical racism. And I just feel like being a Black health care provider, it is my responsibility to make sure that my sisters and brothers receive the care that they deserve. So I strive and I do that every single day. I make sure I educate my patients. I make sure they get the proper screening that they need. I'm just really making sure that I'm on top of their health and that they are too. So that is one thing that I do every day. And another thing is I have made it my business to make sure that I am doing better with being intentional about supporting Black-owned businesses. So definitely. Now, the last question of the evening is, what is your favorite song that celebrates Blackness and why? I couldn't think of just one. I have like four. <laughs> I know I should have followed the rules, but So Fresh, So Clean by Outkast. It's, it should be self-explanatory. Black Parade by Beyonce. Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud by the late, great James Brown. And This Is America by Childish Gambino. Well, I hope that Shalana didn't bring just one to the table because I did originally have one and then I sneak a peek at Caroline's playlist and I created <laughs> some more. So <laughs> my original is Stand Up by Cynthia Erivo because... If you watched Harriet the movie, that would probably be on your favorites as well. And then listening to the Lift Every Voice and Sing that Beyonce had on her homecoming album. I loved it. 
Jubilee by Maverick City, which goes off into the Jubilee that God talked about, which was the seventh year and the year of rest and being coming back and drawing it all together and talking about the freedom living in the freedom and releasing people from their back from slavery and from their debt and all of that stuff and how it ties back into Juneteenth and our history is just very a very beautiful song to me Toby Wigway with Fi-Fi if you ain't heard of it that's my own personal little ratchet music and then the square root of possible by Madeline Hills check these out well, I followed the rules. I only did one. <laughs> Ooh, the shade. The shade. But the one that I picked is a very powerful song that is very representative of our culture. And it's titled Young, Gifted, and Black by Nina Simone. And the song was written by Nina Simone and it was dedicated to her friend, Lorraine Hansberry. And She's the playwright who wrote A Raisin in the Sun. And she wrote it for her before she died. I think Lorraine Hansberry died of brain cancer when very young. I think she was in her early 30s when she died. And her and Nina Simone were very good friends. And she wrote it for her before she passed away. And she actually wrote the song for Lorraine Hansberry as the ode to, a well, it was a representation of a letter that she wrote to her students. So in the letter, she referred to the students as young, gifted, and Black. So she wrote this song to honor her, but it ended up being a sensational hit. And there has been so many different renditions of the song. I think Aretha Franklin has made one. Jennifer Hudson has made a rendition of it and so many different other Black artists. And it is a powerful song. When it was written, it was also during the height of the Black Power Movement and the Civil Rights Movement and the John Crow era. And this was a time, in my opinion, that I feel like Black people really needed to be affirmed. They needed to know that even though white people didn't want them to attend their schools, they were young, gifted, and Black. They needed to know that even though they couldn't vote or people didn't want them to vote, they were young, gifted, and Black. They needed to know that even though people would let dogs loose on them and spray them with water hoses, they needed to know that they were still young, gifted, and Black, no matter what challenges they were faced, faced with back then. And I really think that this song is still relevant today. When I think about us as a race, you know, we are all gifted and Black, no matter how old we are. Well, hell, that's the only song you mm-hmm. need. If that's the one you pick, you don't need a whole list. They can't stand up against my phone. <laughs> now, this has been an awesome episode. Happy Juneteenth. And be sure to meet us next time. Same time, same place. Peace. Thank you for joining us this week on Close the Curtain Podcast with Nalita, Shalana, and Caroline. I hope you enjoyed this brief respite 
and that something we said inspired or motivated you to close the curtain on whatever is not for the season in which you find yourself in. If you're enjoying Close the Curtain, please rate the show. Share it. These things allow more women access to the same wonderful content that you enjoy. If you have questions, comments, or you want to suggest show topics, leave a message for us on our email, hello at closethecurtain.com. Again, that's hello at closethecurtain.com. You can also stay connected with Close the Curtain Podcast on Instagram at our handle at Close the Curtain Podcast. Our website is www.closethecurtain.com. And our podcast can be enjoyed on the following platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, with more to come. This has been an awesome show. Don't forget to meet us next time at the intersection of pop culture and wellness. Bye.